We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. And it always means special counsel when I talk to Andrew C. McCarthy of Fox News and National Review. You can follow him online at Andrew C. McCarthy. Good morning, Andy. How are you? I'm doing great, Hugh. How are you? Good. Merry Christmas. It's December. I can say that. Um Yes, amen. Bill Barr gave us a gift yesterday, but it was not much remarked upon. Lost in the uh, coverage of his announcement that there was no fraud, which I think most of us knew there was not fraud sufficient to overturn one state, much less three or four. Uh, He announced that John Durham, United States Attorney for Connecticut, had been made a special counsel for purposes of of reviewing the Russia hoax. What do you think he did there? Well, I, I actually think it's more political than legal protection. He's trying to ratchet up the protection around Durham's investigation to make it more difficult for an incoming Biden administration to remove him. It doesn't really have much legal effect in the sense that even if you just strictly look at the regulations and took them seriously, which the Justice Department never seems to do, um, Durham isn't qualified to be a special counsel because he's not an attorney from outside the government, which the regs specifically uh, require. Now, the last of the regs, you remember, says that nothing in the regs is enforceable. So basically, the attorney general could do what he wants, and nobody could take him to court over it. But the incoming Biden administration isn't going to feel bound by this designation because it's not, it doesn't comply with the regs. But the important thing is um, he makes it more difficult for them to remove Durham by highlighting the work that he's doing. And also, you know, I think underscore here that this investigation, for all the things that have been said about it, has not been political. They went out of their way not to do anything in the run up to the election that, that could have been seen as influencing it. At an early stage, they said that Biden and Obama were not uh, subject to the investigation to take that out of the politics of the election. And Attorney General Barr has been very clear that unless you get uh, strong evidence of meat and potatoes crimes, there aren't going to be charges. We may get a narrative report, but those charges have to meet a high standard because he doesn't think the Justice Department should be involved in politics and he needs to get the politics out of the Justice Department. I doubt we'll see any report unless there is an indictment. I actually believe that that's what Durham is working under. But let's talk about the predicate under the regs. Let's pretend that the regs apply. Uh, And you're right. The biggest problem is it's supposed to be a a lawyer from outside of the government. And he isn't. The regs say that you've got to have uh, when under the uh, circumstances, it would be in the public interest to appoint an outside special counsel to assume responsibility in the matter. 
So Durham's not outside, but what would those circumstances have been, and why would he have kept it quiet since he made this designation on October 19th? I have a theory. I want to hear yours first. Well, I think he he kept it quiet because he didn't want it to be perceived as an effort in some way to influence the outcome of the election. Plus, I think by making this designation, he as much as concedes to people that this investigation is not close to being over yet, which means it's not going to be wrapped up before the incoming Biden administration comes in. I think if it was going to be wrapped up before then, there would have been no reason to do this now, Hugh. He could have waited until January to do it. Well, I'm going to I'm going to agree and disagree. I think he did it because it does not involve the vice president. And that's why it was not made public. But it does involve serious crime. And so he wanted to put it on the record before the election so that no matter what happened, it was there. And I fell for a head fake in an interview that the attorney general did with me in April. I asked him specifically about prosecuting before an election. He said that only the the, the ban on making that public only applies to a candidate or someone close to him. So I, I assume that, you know, he would announce anything else, including Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, but I didn't ask him that. That's on me. That was a bad interview. I should have followed up. I, I just can I can I respectfully disagree and defend you to you. Go ahead. Um, I, I, well, I actually think that was a very important piece of information because for those of us who watch this closely, uh, probably as important as any single event in this whole train of facts is the January fifth meeting in the Oval Office, where Obama and Biden meet with James Comey. Sally Yates, then the deputy AG, and Susan Rice, who was the uh, national security advisor at the time. And I think they not only discuss the Flynn prosecution, but they talk about what was the main driving force here, which is how do we continue this investigation of Trump once Trump is in power? And they explicitly discuss uh, withholding from the incoming Trump administration information about Russia. And I I frankly think that both the removal of Flynn and the removal of Sessions are explained by the fact that the only way you could pull off what they wanted to do, which was continue the investigation after the Trump administration was in power, was to remove people who would have been in the best position to thwart it, which would have been Flynn as National Security Council and Sessions as Attorney General. So... I think that was actually a very important piece of information because it showed people that uh, something I think I've been saying all along, which is that there are a lot of things that are in the nature of abuse of power that are not necessarily criminal offenses. And that information from the attorney general showed that they were not looking at least at that transaction as a crime. I, oh, I agree. It was a good question. But the follow up I should have asked, Andy, and it's journalism 101, is explore every corner in the room. Is there anything else that might not be made public in the interest of election integrity? Then we would have gotten an answer saying, well, that's possible. You know how Bill Barr thought that that could be. I don't I don't answer hypotheticals. That could (laughs) anything could happen. You know how he talks. I I would have been upbraided and 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 (laughs) scooted out of the room. But it would have nevertheless been a good question. So it wasn't made public in order not to impact the election. But I want to probe with you, Andrew. I think that he may very well 
drop indictments on people before January 20th, and he doesn't want them to go away. And looking down the road, he attached these protections prior to the election so people could not say it's sour grapes. That is my interpretation, because I still look at the fact pattern regarding that FISA warrant, uh, many FISA warrants, and say to myself, someone has got to go to jail other than the low-level lawyer who substituted a name. It's just not what we do in this country. Well, look, I, I think that all along it's, it's been a fact that if they can prove a black-and-white false statement to the FISA court, that that will be indicted. And I think that's a large part of the reason this investigation is still going on. Uh, if that happens, and we talk about an indictment before or in the aftermath, oh, let, let me back up a little bit. Do you expect every uh, nominee to the Department of Justice, from AG, Deputy AG, Associate AG, every Assistant Attorney General, to have to take uh, undertake before the committee that they will neither interfere with and indeed will cooperate with Durham in this investigation? I, I do expect that they'll be aggressively questioned on that. I don't know if they'll be forced into making a commitment, but certainly the Republicans will press for that. I also think, frankly, you, it, it will be in Biden's political advantage uh, to let Durham do his work. Let, let's remember now, this is a guy who was in this kind of status, a special investigator, under not only George W. Bush, but under the Obama administration and the Clinton administration, and he'll be in a position where he'll be reporting directly to Biden's attorney general. So Biden's going to have a lot of protection here. Uh, and the best thing he could do for himself would be to just let the, let Durham play this thing out. But Durham's a very scrupulous, uh, hardworking, professional prosecutor, apolitical. I think if he was a political guy and Biden should know this, we would have seen stuff by now. That, that smacked of politics, and we haven't, even in this environment. So the best thing he could do would be let Durham finish this thing. Now, I assume, given the nature of the appointment uh, announcement, and given what you mentioned, that it ought to be outside the government, this is not uh, incoming administration people who are the subject of this probe. But if the probe were to expand in its uh, targeting uh, to other people outside of the government— does Barr have to expand that writ to the special counsel before he departs, or can John Durham, as special counsel under a new attorney general, sua sponte, expand it or seek permission to expand it? He can seek permission to expand it, although I'm sure he has a very wide berth. We'd have to see if there's an underlying memorandum of what the scope uh, of the special counsel appointment is. I assume uh, if, if Barr... Uh, purported to do this under the regulations, there may be uh, something along those lines. I also am not so sure, Hugh, that this investigation doesn't affect people in the incoming administration. I think it doesn't affect Biden, uh, and it probably doesn't affect uh, Susan Rice, although who knows. But, you know, the big complication in this investigation, the reason I always thought it was going to be a very difficult one to do, is the involvement of foreign intelligence services and our own intelligence service. And I don't know who Biden is planning to bring in, if he's planning to bring in, you know, Brennan and that whole crowd again. But um, <clears throat> I don't think those guys are outside the end of the investigation. I'm not, to be clear, I'm not saying I think they're going to be indicted, but I think they're certainly implicated in what went on here. Well, and I agree that there, uh, there are a lot of people involved in this that we don't know whether they'll be indicted. My question about confirmation process, I used to know this when I was in the White House Counsel's office, 
Will the FBI know who is the target of Durham so that they can ask people seeking clearances to enter into the government any questions of interest to the special counsel Durham? I'd be surprised if they were cut into that. I would be surprised if the people who were doing background investigations were cut into what um, were cut into what Durham was doing. Um, on the other hand, I think the White House counsel will probably be. So uh, you know that world better than I do. But I, you know, I think they'll work it out. You'd hate to see them bring in someone who was in the Durham ambit. Uh, and then find out afterwards that they were in the scope of the investigation. That would be unfair well, but, to the president-elect. Yeah, but let's not forget. I mean, we're not privy to what Durham has. But, uh, you know, I, I say this, uh, uh, you know, looking down at my shoes humbly, but a, a number of us have uh, done a lot of work uh, digging into what happened here. And uh, it'd be very hard, I think, for the, the people that you and I are talking about in this ambit to get through a confirmation hearing. Okay. Next question before the break. I hope you can stay with me, Andy. Is yes. do you expect Durham to set up a staffing monster like Mueller and uh, the fellow from Chicago, Fitzgerald, did? Because those are the previous special counsels. And by the way, Fitzgerald was the United States Attorney. I want to ask you after the break why he could be a, a special counsel. He wasn't outside of the government, and Durham can't be. That's for next segment. But do you expect? John Durham to get a building and 17 lawyers and 40 FBI agents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like Mueller. I expect that he would have what he has now. Um, I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't think he's not a he's not an empire builder. So I wouldn't I wouldn't expect to see that now. You know, uh, there's a whole nother investigation that's like uh, the elephant in the room that we're not talking about, which is the Biden investigation, which, uh, you know, was the information about was suppressed. Uh, in the run-up to the election. You, that's part two. That's a, okay, Andy, two more two more questions about uh, the special counsel announcement yesterday for John Durham. The first, as you mentioned, Section 600.3 of the regulations governing special counsels specifically uh, state that, uh, that a special counsel shall be selected from outside the United States government. We've noted that John Durham is inside the United States government. How does that square up? And how does that square up with Patrick Fitzgerald, who was the special counsel who put Scooter Libby through hell and back in the vain pursuit of a non-crime of the Bush era. And also known as my uh, co-counsel in the Blind Shake case. In, oh, I'd uh, forgotten that. Okay. Long, long ago and far away. Well, I think that Pat was in the same uh, posture that Durham has been in since 2019, which is that the Attorney General, uh, as we know under the regs, the, the last reg, you, which is 600.10, uh, basically says that nothing in the regs is actionable. Nobody can object if the, if the attorney general doesn't comply with the letter of them. So it gives the attorney general a lot of uh, discretion uh, to, to structure things as he wants to structure them. And I think in those investigations, and uh, Judge Mukasey did this as well uh, with Durham in connection with the CIA uh, interrogations, the idea is to bring a good prosecutor from outside Washington into an investigation that's, uh, you know, Washington through and through. Uh, and these have been U.S. attorneys from uh, outside the Washington area. Barr did it also with uh, the guy in St. Louis, uh, Jeff Jensen, who, um, who took a look at the Flynn investigation. I think this is a good practice, and it indicates that we do need something between um, – the normal course of investigation by the Justice Department and the FBI versus uh, 
like the independent aspiration of the special counsel when you have someone from outside Washington. Like you, I can't stand special counsels. I would prefer most of the time a solution in the middle where you brought a good prosecutor in who has a good reputation on both sides of the aisle from uh, outside Washington to to look at these cases. I think you'd be a lot better served than these empires that the uh, special counsels build. Well, we also get uh, another confirmation never to believe the media. There was a departure from the Durham team of a longtime colleague, and everyone speculated it was because he was going to bring an indictment with which she disagreed. It probably turned out that she wanted to retire. But, you know, who knows? We never know. Last question. Hunter Biden and the allegations that would bring into play the Foreign Agents Registration Act and a bunch of other issues and money laundering and all that. They are not in the news accounts. Does that mean they are not now presently part of the writ of Durham or that they could not become part of the writ of Durham before Barr leaves? Oh, I don't think that they're part of the writ of Durham at all. And that would take the Durham investigation in a different invest- in a different uh, direction. I-, I think Durham's doing what he's doing, and Barr undoubtedly has uh, somebody else dealing with that investigation. And that, I-, I think you, in a way that maybe the Durham investigation, because of the, the way that it unfolded, uh, it- is different. I think the the... Biden investigation, if it's serious, now we don't know what the, the details of the investigation are, but if it's a serious investigation uh, and they are fearful that there was serious wrongdoing, that's the kind of thing where even I reluctantly would say uh, you might have to have a special counsel for that. And if, if that were the case from a preliminary review, would you expect Bill Barr to appoint said counsel before leaving and for the confirmation hearings to address that as well? Yes, I, because otherwise... You know, the you, the problem you have is that it could go away um, and it would be a real political hot potato. He, the bar would actually be doing a favor for whoever the next attorney general is. Well, you know, that, that you remember? remember Ken Starr didn't want Monica Lewinsky. He tried right. to, he tried to lateral that and Janet Reno gave it back to him. Uh, is that the precedent that Barr would follow if there's stuff out there? Look, I've got one standing over here. Let him just do it. Or do you think he really ought to go find somebody new? To go more broadly with what happened with with Ken Starr, I think the whole debacle with Janet Reno and Chuck LaBella and, you know, everything that went on before Starr finally got appointed, which was under the statute, not under, under the reg, counsels in favor of having the current attorney general make whatever designation needs to be made because it'll be a big problem for uh, Biden's attorney general. Uh, I think, you know, it'd be much easier and cleaner if Barr just names a, a good, scrupulous special counsel, if there's a need for it, than to drop it in the lap of the next AG. On that note, Andy, thank you for joining me. We look forward to reading your columns on this. They're always the go-to uh, sort of definitive word for serious people who are not conspiracy nuts, but who do want to see justice done. Andrew C. McCarthy on Twitter. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. 
This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. We've just witnessed a big win in the courts for the sanctity of human life. The decision came from a federal appeals court for the Sixth Circuit where the court upheld a Tennessee law signed into effect by Governor Bill Lee just this summer. The legislation was a so-called reason ban on abortion, where abortion was declared illegal in the state of Tennessee if that abortion was to be sought for certain reasons. Those reasons include seeking an abortion for gender selection and also for the elimination of babies diagnosed with Down syndrome. This is more interesting and more important than many people will realize by looking at a headline or even reading an article, because the pro-abortion movement has been arguing from the beginning that reasons don't matter. They're absolute zealots for abortion, but Tennesseans said otherwise, and the courts recognize their right to do so. It's a reminder again for us that elections and the federal courts matter, sometimes in matters of life and death. I'm Albert Moeller. 